You're listening to Culture Rich. Culture Rich. Welcome, I'm Christina Michelle, inviting you to join me for Culture Rich Conversations, an ongoing feature of Juno Afternoon. Thanksgiving is next week and many of us are preparing to celebrate, but does the holiday mean the same to the Black community as it does to other Americans? Tune in today as my guests Jacoby Gully, Dr. John Query, and Jamie discuss the history of Black Thanksgiving in America, from what the holiday meant to our ancestors to our favorite recipes and traditions today. We'll cover it all. From KTOO and Juno, this is Culture Rich Conversations. Culture Rich. Culture Rich Conversations is underwritten by Mark Stofa and Sarah Hannon, celebrating Juno's diversity of culture, language, and heritage. The Black Awareness Association would like to take a moment to recognize that Culture Rich Conversations is broadcast from Flinket Ani. We acknowledge those families who made use of this land and waterways for thousands of years and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and future generations. Gunalschish, thank you. I'm Christina Michelle. Welcome. I'm so excited to have Jamie here in the studio with me today. And we also have Dr. Query, who I will allow to introduce himself. And then in just a little while, our third guest, Jacoby Gully, will be joining us and we'll introduce him then. But before we get started, uh, Jamie, why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, good afternoon, Juno, and all around the world from wherever you may be listening. My name is Jamie. I've lived in Juno for the last five years. Um, previous to that, I lived in Phoenix. And before that, I lived in Vallejo, California. But I do consider Phoenix home, although Juno is definitely giving Phoenix a run for its money. Eventually, I'll be calling Juno my for real home, my forever home and whatnot. But anyhow, um, in the daytime, I do work for the Central Council of Clinton and Haida. And I really enjoy helping the people of this community um, in general. Thanksgiving is really my favorite holiday. So I'm happy that I was invited to be a guest speaker today. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. Jamie and I were talking last night about how we've both kept our um, our area codes, my California area code, and Jamie still got her Arizona one. But maybe that will change for both of us. Maybe. <laughs> and Dr. Query, welcome. And from now on, I will refer to you as Dr. Q. But just for the formal introduction of things, um, welcome. Please share with our listeners where you're uh, joining us from and a little about yourself. Sure. Thank you, Christina Michelle, for having me today. I'm actually coming to you from the beautiful state of Texas. Uh, Victoria, Texas is in the, the southern port portion of the state. But I wasn't always here. Um, actually, I, I hail from growing up in Louisiana. And then after graduating, I went on to seek fame and fortune on the West Coast as well in California. Not finding it there, I got into teaching. And I did that for a number of years in the Catholic school system. And then I actually decided that I really enjoyed that. So I stayed with that and rose into uh, administration 
I was a campus principal on two campuses. And then after that, I decided to come back south because I had a son and I wanted him, and I still do, I wanted him to grow up with something a little more reminiscent of what I grew up with, a, a smaller environment. And so I landed in uh, Victoria, Texas, where I'm now serving for the past 16 years as the superintendent of schools for the Diocese of Victoria. So I'm happy to be part of, of Juno because actually my son and I, uh, a little bit about that, we visit state capitals and we've actually done 49 of them. And wouldn't you know, the last one left is Juno. So Yay. we're hoping, <laughs> hoping to get to Juno in, in 25. So it's a little bit about me. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us and for that interesting history. That's awesome. Can't wait to meet you in person here. All right. So before we start this conversation, I would like to find out where each one of us grew up celebrating Thanksgiving, because I imagine that we're going to have some commonalities throughout this conversation. And it'll be interesting to know if these things were all the same for us as black Americans celebrating Thanksgiving, even though I grew up here celebrating Thanksgiving in Juneau and JC grew up somewhere else. Dr. Query grew up somewhere else. So where have you guys celebrated most of your Thanksgivings? JC? Well, my fondest memories of Thanksgiving, hands down, is my childhood in California. So my grandmother, she was one of 12 children. And my mother is one of eight children. And so we would do Thanksgiving at my grandmother's house. And pretty much it was an open invitation, whoever wants to be there. So it was chaos, but it was a lot of family. It was a lot of love. It was a whole lot of food and a lot of celebration. I mean, just getting together like that, it always made me really happy. As a matter of fact, um, like I mentioned, Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday because it's when everybody got together. Christmas, my family... We don't really get together for Christmas, but Thanksgiving, that was the one where everybody pitched in and just had a good time. And we literally ate from sunup to sundown. Like a lot of families, they eat way later in the afternoon. Oh, no. Our first plate was like noon. That's when Thanksgiving dinner started was at lunchtime. All right. Perfect. So California and Dr. Q. Actually, Louisiana. And I uh, was reared in a small town called Oakdale. And that's probably some of my fondest memories, though I've got really great memories throughout my life. I've been very blessed in that regard. But I can say that um, much like Jamie, I also enjoyed being with my grandparents because I think just having extended family around always makes the holidays a lot nicer. I can recall that my mother loved to make um, uh, cornbread dressing, although hers wasn't the best. <laughs> My sister actually has really run with that. She makes it actually a year in advance and freezes it because wow. everyone wants seconds and thirds of that. And then I can recall spending lots of times with my uh, relatives in the Houston area uh, with my aunt, Nanny Rose, we called her. And we really enjoyed getting together around a large table and everybody would share their own gifts that they would bring, foodstuffs. And I enjoyed that. So I think 
just as Jamie mentioned, it's just a time to get together and gives you a warm feeling. It's sort of the kickoff to the holidays. And I really enjoy Thanksgiving quite a bit. All right. Well, let's begin the conversation with some history. I would love to know if you guys knew this. I didn't. So when the Pilgrims celebrated the first Thanksgiving in 1621, most black families in America weren't invited to the festivities. In fact, Thanksgiving used to be a time when slaves would attempt to escape because it was the end of the crop season. For that reason, it is a common belief that black people don't celebrate the holiday. Have you ever heard that before? Really, there's some people who think we don't celebrate the holidays? (laughs) (laughs) There are. (laughs) Yeah, I've never run across that before. Interesting. Yeah, Dr. Q? I was just chiming in the same way. I'd never heard that. I think it is an interesting take. I can understand why they would want to make their getaway at that time, however. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think that I just ultimately say that we don't celebrate holidays, though. I think we see them as many times as holy days as well as holidays. So absolutely. Yeah, I was interest. uh, I thought it was interesting to learn that as well. And then I was talking to my mom about it and she said, girl, yeah, a lot of people think that black (laughs) people don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And I was like, "Okay, well, you know, that's why we're having this conversation. So, you know what? You're actually um, I'm thinking about something. Maybe we don't celebrate it in the way that other people do. Because I've never had a thought about pilgrims during Thanksgiving, honestly. <laughs> like, it's really like, you know, when you're growing up and you go to school and, you know, back then they used to do the plays with the pilgrims and the Indians and they have in the festivities and whatnot. Our Thanksgiving at home, we never thought about that. It was just more or less just thankful for what we have, not about the fact that the pilgrims came over here to the land. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the distinction is why we celebrate it. Well, and Jamie, that actually brings me to my next question, which is, has the experience of Native American people and the false things that were taught about the first Thanksgiving feast, has it had any bearing on how you think about Thanksgiving and whether or not you celebrate it? That's another great question. Um, Again, I'm more or less, I think of it as a day of thanks, a a day of thanks Mm -hmm. as opposed to Thanksgiving. I definitely, um, whenever I get a chance, I strike down the fact that this line, this land here was colonized. You know, I obviously against slavery. There's a lot of, you know, negative history, but we don't have to necessarily focus on that during these times, because even though this holiday stemmed from that, it's evolved way beyond that. Oh, I love that answer. Dr. Q, any thoughts about that? You know, I, I'd agree with that as well. I think that we're often known as a people that take something and sort of make it our own and expand upon it. And I think we've done that with Thanksgiving while recognizing that it was still a time of giving thanks. And we are all pretty much religious people who are uh, God-fearing people. So I think we're always about giving thanks, having a an attitude of gratitude about just the holiday and being able to celebrate as a family, as and as it were, as a free people. I mean, I think that that speaks volumes to how much we've endured and how far we've come. And we definitely have an awful lot to be thankful for. And so I think it's fitting that we really do spend some time really talking about Thanksgiving 
because rather than just it being a national holiday, it really is a personal holiday. It's a family day. It's a time that we get together, reminisce, and just make each other feel wonderful about being part of the family, whatever part of that fabric we are. Oh, make each other feel wonderful about being part of a family. I love that. Well, as we know, the early celebrations of Thanksgiving didn't include black people. But I have another uh, fun fact for you guys here. This changed in the 1920s when a black woman named Sarah Maud Young created the National Negro Thanksgiving Festival. Her purpose was to create a place for black communities to come together and have a positive event to celebrate. Many of these celebrations took place where? One guess. If I had to guess the church. Church. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything <laughs> takes place at the church. <laughs> You're 100% right. According to the African American Registry, Thanksgiving expression for the American black community was a church-based celebration. Black pastors gave sermons that could be heard loud and clear through the many small churches. The sermons would be about struggles, hopes, fears, and triumphs, and often pleaded that an awakening of a prejudice-free America would soon come. Nowadays, the holiday has morphed into the ultimate cookout and showdown of soul food. Dating back to the years of slavery, soul food has always had a special connection to black history and now to the way we celebrate Thanksgiving. So has anybody ever heard of the national black Thanksgiving celebration from 1920? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> But I'm glad to hear about it. So I'm glad you're sharing that because I'm I'm learning. So that's terrific. But I'd never heard of that. One hundred percent. I um, I was really interested to learn about that as well. And I did a little bit more research on the lady who started it. And it was actually pretty, pretty cool. I love learning more about um, black history, not just the not just the kind of the headliners that we mm -hmm. all know. There were so many people who don't get a lot of recognition and credit for their contributions. And so I'm always happy to shed a spotlight on those people. So let's talk about our contribution to Thanksgiving as a Black people. And if you're just tuning in, I'm Christina Michelle. I'm here with my guest, Jamie and Dr. Q, and we are talking about the history of Black Thanksgiving in America. So um, I would say the biggest contribution that we have made is probably through our food. Would you, would you guys agree? I would say yeah, so. <laughs> In fact, the holiday became popular among blacks when James Hemings, slave of Thomas Jefferson, combined pasta noodles and extra sharp cheddar in a casserole dish, innovating the combination of cheese and pasta for American palates. We now know this as mac and cheese. You're kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that could possibly... Oh, go ahead, Dr. Q. I was just going to say my son loves that. And now that's another reason to like it because we actually created it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson slave. That's amazing. So while Thanksgiving meals vary depending on where you live and what your traditions are, all black approved Thanksgiving menus must have the following dishes. So let's see if we agree on this. Um, Jamie, what would you say? 
the must-haves. Now, I'm not the greatest mac and cheese fan, but you have to have a legit mac and cheese on the table. Otherwise, like, why are we even at your house? What makes it legit? Well, that depends on who you ask. Now, (laughs) my grandmother and my mother, they like a more, you know, sturdier brick style mac and cheese but you know how earlier we were talking about you know evolution and you know things improving now my generation likes a more loose creamier mac and cheese so I've been going that way now it doesn't need to have 50 different cheeses in it I think that's a little bit overboard but you know just a good pasta to cheese ratio so definitely mac and cheese (laughs) Um, some type of cornbread dressing dressing not stuffing So a legit dressing on the table. Um, Some greens, preferably with some type of meat in them. Now, traditionally, it's always been pork, but a lot of us are trying to be a little bit healthier. So we've kind of switched to, you know, the smoked turkey legs and whatnot. Or for the super healthy, we can do it without meat nowadays. And I'd say at least a ham. I'm not really big on turkey. My family used to do multiple proteins. And so for the proteins, we always had at least a ham, a turkey, and a a duck, believe that or not, because my dad is like super Southern. And so he likes more game meats. And so we'd always have a duck as well. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a have to, but in my family, that's a have to. So yeah, the mac and cheese, cornbread dressing, greens, and at least two proteins, at least that ham and turkey. Okay. Now, what's the difference between the dressing and the stuffing? See, with the dressing, you actually have to make it with the drippings from the turkeys and like, you know, your duck. Um, A lot of people like to put the dressing in the turkey, but it won't cook that evenly if you do it that way. So we prefer ours on the outside. I don't want to scoop anything out of a turkey, but... um... The stuffing's more basic. It's a little bit looser. Sometimes people put, you know, fruits and nuts and I don't want that. I don't want the stuffing (laughs) at all. Like get it far, far away from me. (laughs) All right. Dr. Q, is there anything that Jamie did not put on that list that is a must have on your Thanksgiving dinner table? I really like cranberry sauce, and I have it, but it's got to be the jelly type in the can. Where you slice it. (laughs) Yes. And I've got to have sweet potato pie. I've got to Mm -hmm. have that. I have that. But other than that, I'd probably agree with Jamie that those are definitely staples and must-haves. Okay, so I made a few notes here about what I thought you guys might say. And what's missing is the gravy, uh, in particular, giblet gravy. It's hard for me to even say that word. (laughs) Giblet and drippings is disgusting. (laughs) But apparently you can't have a great Thanksgiving without both of them. So, um, yeah, what do we think about the gravy? Are we particular? Not so much. My family, we weren't very big on gravy. Like we could take it or leave it, but it wasn't an you know, necessity because the meat's already so well seasoned. And on the dressing, we used sliced cranberry sauce. I didn't realize until I was like in high school that people actually made their own cranberry sauce. I'm like, wait, (laughs) people actually scoop 
cranberry sauce and put it really (laughs) they do they do do that yeah and what about the sweet uh the peach cobbler Ooh, i do like a good peach cobbler not a necessity as much as the sweet potato pie that's definitely sweet potato pie is definitely way more traditional my mom does a sweet potato pie i'm not necessarily big on it but you know for nostalgic purposes we got to eat a slice if it's around (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you on that. Now, I think honorable mentions might be potato salad, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, my family in Anchorage does not include potato salad as part of the Thanksgiving meal. But my mother, who is from Oakdale, like you, Dr. Q, she always yeah. makes sure that we have a big bowl of homemade potato salad on the table. So I'm not sure where that comes from, but that's a staple at our Thanksgiving table. Um, and then there's another one. Oh, yams. Yams. So, mm-hmm. Yams. Oh, even man. though we have a sweet potato pie, we also have yams. So, so we know where to go for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And the sweet tea. I forgot about that, which I have been banned. We'll get into that later. Who's banned from making what? But I'll just tell on myself now I am banned from making the sweet tea because I use um, all kind of sugar substitutes like stevia mm. and honey. You deviated from the ancestors <laughs> recipe. I deviated mm. hardcore and I was banned and so they won't drink my tea anymore even though I tell them I put sugar in it like because I really tried to the next year but they were like it's not enough you put like one teaspoon in a gallon of tea so. That's pretty bad to where it's one thing when you know all the aunties and uncles be like no this person can't cook but they're saying you can't even make a drink (laughs) wow (laughs) it's true and on that note we're gonna take a quick break i'm christina michelle i'm here with jamie and dr q and we will be right back
Welcome back to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm Christina Michelle. And before we went to break, I was here with Jamie and Dr. Q. We were talking about the Black Thanksgiving experience. And we covered what is on everybody's table every year. We talked a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving, at least from the um, Black perspective. And now we're going to move on to the day of we have our menu set and it's time to eat. We have what is called the pre-meal prayer. So in your experience, who says the prayer? Well, in our house, we're more matriarchal. And so my grandmother would do the prayer. Um, In my current house, I have an itty bitty family. And I suppose we're not the most religious family, but I'm probably the most religious of our little small bunch. And so now it's me. And then, you know, the little ones will still say a little something here and there. Oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Dr. Q. Well, actually, we always relegated, I shouldn't say relegated, we gave that honor to the eldest person in our family. And we've liked that tradition because we know it's going to be heartfelt. We know it's going to probably include everyone standing around (laughs) as well, included in the prayer. But I think we also learn um, from them how to actually pray and to be thankful and to be inclusive. And so that's probably how it's still handled. I'm much like Jamie now here in in the Victoria area. My family is small. So I'm normally the one who will say it because they don't feel as comfortable, you know, just praying spontaneously. But um, I, I'd say that it's it's come from the eldest to probably me. And in a few years, I may be that person, one in the same. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in my household, it has changed over the years. And I actually wrote a little something. Um, I'll see if you guys agree or if you just say that is disrespectful. But I wrote (laughs) (laughs) the Black Thanksgiving pre-meal prayer should only be given by a pastor, a board certified deacon or an authorized family member who is saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. The family should hold hands and it should last no more than six minutes. Even if you do not believe in God, all attendees should close their eyes and contribute at least one amen at the end of the prayer to remain in the good graces of the host. If no such candidate previously described is available, the most charismatic drunk auntie or uncle will suffice. Amen. All right. <laughs> I'll allow. I'll allow that. <laughs> it's funny. As soon as you started speaking, like who should actually do the the prayer? You like the preacher, the deacon. I'm like, wait a minute. Those are the folks you. Yes, they can give a good prayer, but those are the long-winded folks. So at least there's a caveat for a time stipulation there, because I've definitely been with some prayers where everybody has their eyes open, but the person praying. Like, come on, it is time to eat. Well, and I think that's part of the protocol, too, that when it's time to pray for the meal, we're just blessing the meal. We are not blessing all those who came to eat the meal and all the people who contributed to the meal and all the crop growers who mm-hmm. grew the thing. Like, no, it's not about that. So, um, yeah, six minutes and even six minutes is a long prayer. That's a little long. That really is. It's a yeah, little long. Have- but, you know, this was written from my experience and um <laughs> 
having lots of having lots of dynamics uh, on Thanksgiving days over the years. Who gets to hold the timer? Oh, that's a good question. And is that person going to be bold enough to actually cut the prayer short? (laughs) In our house, no. And I'm going to say it's probably my niece. Um, She'll let us know if it's going too long. She'll she'll do the dance. She'll she'll jiggle the hands of the people she's holding hands with, but she'll definitely be the timer. All right. So let's talk about the plate fixing hierarchy. Who gets to fix a plate first? For us, it's always been the children. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting. Yep. Um, With all my grandma, like I said, we used to do the big, 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 big dinners in California and they would just get the kids out of the way first, then the elders and then the mid-age people. Okay. So you said the children and then the The elders elders, mm -hmm. and then the middle age people. Okay. Dr. Q. We're kind of just the opposite, actually. (laughs) We serve the elders first and then the middle age. And if there's anything left over, the kids can have the crumbs, but that's about it. And in my experience, I have honored guests. So if you do have the pastor there, uh, probably it would be the pastor um, and or the oldest person in the room. So the grandparents or whoever we consider to be elders Um, and then anybody from church. Uh, at all, who we would call brother or sister so and so, then the grown folks, so all adults, then the children, then the late people, and then the people who didn't bring anything. If <laughs> you guys singled out those who showed up empty-handed, oh my well, gosh! And I was gonna say that it's kind of it's unspoken. It's just the way it seems to trickle down. <laughs> Hopefully they're not listening and uh, finding out that I put words to the experience. (laughs) And now that I'm thinking about it, the folks that typically don't bring anything, they're usually near the beginning of the line somewhere. And then they hop back in the line for seconds. (laughs) Well, definitely to get plates to take home. (laughs) Then the plates to take home. They might even come with their own to-go container. That's true. The ones who bring the least often are the most brazen or bring the ice. Like They feel like like that's not an even exchange. Like you don't bring ice and then get a big plate of turkey and dressing and all the things and take some home. But all right. So, well, that brings me to my next question. What are the cardinal rules of Black Thanksgiving? So for me, that's one of them. You do not show up with ice and then load up eight plates to take home. You definitely should, but if you do, we're going to talk about you. Yes, we will. (laughs) And I also don't think you should show up, eat, and everybody leave, and the hosts have to pick everything up and clean up. I think you should because they did a lot of preparation, and if you just walk out the door, come on now, you at least need to help clear the table and put it back in order. So, oh, that's really good. mm I've been on the cleanup crew for a long time, so I'm happy that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not usually hosting, so I'm also on the cleanup crew. Um, So, yeah. Um, I I was thinking about um, substitutions or experiments. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, like I said, I've been burned before with my um, substitute sugar. So I learned my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) But what about you guys? Any experience with uh, yourself or another family member experimenting during Thanksgiving and it didn't go over too well? See, that's the thing. This is like the Super Bowl. You keep your experiments for the regular playoff season games, not the Super Bowl. But honestly, you know, in my family, the main like have to have items that we spoke about earlier our elders still make that like my mom, she's still the one making the turkey. She's still the one making the cornbread dressing and all that. I have not yet been promoted to actually making any of the major items. Now, for us younger folks, we're allowed to actually bring, you know, if we have a substitution type thing or any type of new thing we want to bring, we can add that to the mill. But we're I haven't even been trusted to make any of the major mill stuff unless it's, you know, actually at my house. Okay. And I'm 37. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I do love, you know, the experimental things or the not so traditional. I love it when somebody actually brings a gumbo to the party. I'm like, yes. I love it when somebody shows up with a gumbo. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I can't believe we didn't even think about gumbo. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And who gets to make a gumbo for Thanksgiving? Anybody who wants to spend that money. (laughs) That is not a cheap dish to bring. Especially here in uh, in Juneau, the seafood, the prices are up and down. So if you like to have um, uh, crab legs in Mm -hmm. your gumbo, yeah, it's quite an expense, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Mm -hmm. Dr. Q, um, have you ever had Thanksgiving gumbo? Is that a thing? Oh, I've had, we have had gumbo, gumbo, but it's normally around the Christmas time because we like it when it's really colder, the weather's colder, uh, unlike Alaska, of course, but <laughs> uh, we we prefer when the weather's colder to have gumbo, although I do have a friend of mine who can eat it when it's 90 degrees outside. She just loves gumbo. But I think that there's probably... There's no wrong time for gumbo for us from Louisiana. Anytime's gumbo time. So we always have it regardless of, of uh, what the holiday is. Excellent. But as far as, as far as the substitutes, I'd probably say that because my parents are now with the Lord, that I've probably now been uh, ushered in to, to be able to handle a couple of those things. And I don't do them all as well, but I learned quickly that uh, a turkey browning bag really works well. So <laughs> I just put it in the oven overnight and that's it. <laughs> so yes, I, I concur. All right. So a couple thoughts I have on uh, cardinal rules of Black Thanksgiving are no raisins. Oh, absolutely no raisins. <laughs> that will get you kicked out of the house immediately. <laughs> Police. <laughs> Okay, and no marshmallows. <laughs> That's a mixed in our family. I'm okay. a no marshmallows on my yams type of person, mm-hmm. but I know plenty of people who enjoy them. But I'm like, you know what? It's already sweet. Why do we need to put sweet on top of sweet? Right. And see, the way yeah. that my mom makes them is it's the yams. They're sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. And then she uses brown sugar and butter. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's already sweet. I don't see why we need um, marshmallows on top of that. 
It's crazy. <laughs> I can't do it. Dr. Q, are there marshmallows or raisins on your Thanksgiving table? No, they're not. I, I didn't don't think like so. Marshmallows <laughs> in my hot chocolate. That's about it. <laughs> I don't want one my yams. No, I don't like plays and all those kind of. I just want the normal stuff. <laughs> don't get too fancy and add everything to your potato salad. Nobody want to see no olives I was in just potato about salad. <laughs> olives in the potato salad. Don't do it. <laughs> what about celery? If it's a little bit for a crunch factor, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, um, our our potato salad is pretty basic. Um, it's really good. If my if my mom's listening right now, basic means good, mom. <laughs> I'm gonna tell her your daughter called your potato salad basic on the radio. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about who carves the turkey. You know what? We don't actually make a big deal about carving the turkey, especially when it's um a huge crowd. Typically, that thing is carved up before it even hits the table. Okay. So that way people can just easily grab and go. Okay. Nice. I'd say once again, I, I do the carving. Yeah. I'm not great, but I've got the knife, so let me ask. <laughs> I think growing up in our house, my dad carved the turkey. I'm sure he he did. But if we were celebrating in Anchorage with extended family, I'm pretty sure it would be my grandfather Mm -hmm. or maybe one of my uncles. But it was always a male who Mm -hmm. carved the turkey. And it kind of was um, an honor to you do the honors of carving the turkey. Which it makes sense and it sounds good, but you know how every family's different. <laughs> like I could right. just imagine myself looking at my dad who's 80 by the way and saying, Dad, you have the honor of carving the turkey this year. <laughs> he would look at me crazy like, girl, if you don't just cut that thing up so we can all eat. <laughs> well, he's been carving turkeys for probably 60 plus years, so he's it over feels it. feels like you can do it now. <laughs> all right, so whose dish are you always looking forward to the most? Oh, wow. That is a good... Immediately, we've been talking about potato salad. Um, I actually have an aunt that passed away like five years ago, but it was like a sudden death thing. So nobody got her potato salad recipe. (laughs) And so we're always trying to like replicate the taste and like none of us could like nail it. I feel like I need to like get a time machine and go back and be like, auntie, what is the recipe to your potato salad? (laughs) Nobody else can make it right. (laughs) I was cracking up as soon as you said that, because my first thought was, Jamie, if you had known that she was dying, would you have asked for that recipe before she went? Back then, probably no, because at that point they were like, get out of our kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, we were just talking about how or before we started the show, Jamie and I were talking about how um, the recipes were very protected Mm -hmm. back in the day growing up and before that. And now we're in an era of, um, you know, of sharing things. And not only will we tell you the recipe, we'll get on YouTube or on, you know, a Facebook live and we'll cook Mm -hmm. it in front of you. So we'll even give you the links on where to buy the stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, (laughs) really generous nowadays. Exactly. Dr. Q, whose uh, who's dish are you always looking forward to the most? I have to say it's my sister's um, cornbread dressing. I mean, it really, 
as I mentioned earlier, she makes it a year in advance because so many people like to take so much of it. It really is, I'm not going to say to die for, because I don't think anything is to die for price, but it really is quite good. Now, I really need to try this cornbread dressing. Does she put sausage in it by chance? She does. Mm. She does. She puts a lot in it, actually. It's very, it's quite good, I must say. So my favorite is the, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Q. I was going to say, I'll have to send some express mail to Juno. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) We're going to hold you to that. So my favorite is also the cornbread dressing. My mom's recipe is amazing. And I've tried it a couple of times. I've never quite gotten it right, but there's a lot in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's giblets in it like turkey necks or right. something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You just right. got to grind it all down. And That's how you in, yeah. know it's real. Right. No. So the cornbread <laughs> dressing. And then also my favorite is the mac and cheese, which I do know how to make that. Um, I can't make the tea, but I can make the mac and cheese. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if you are just tuning in, I'm Christina Michelle. I'm here with Jamie and Dr. Q, and we are discussing the Black Thanksgiving experience. So let's continue the conversation with who who is normally present on Thanksgiving? Is it um, a come one, come all, everybody's welcome, or is it usually more exclusive to family and friends? You know, it's funny you ask that question because I was sitting here thinking about how you know, Thanksgiving used to be when I was a child versus how it is now. It's almost like our Thanksgiving has been tremendously downsized um, for multiple reasons. You know, a lot of us have, you know, moved all over the country at this point. And, you know, things are a little bit more expensive than what they were in the past. Um, when I'm in Juno for Thanksgiving, it's typically just me and my immediate family. We might invite like, you know, two or three guests. And even when I go back to Phoenix to celebrate with um, my mother and father and my sister, it's typically more immediate. You know, we have one first cousin with their family that still lives in Phoenix and a couple other guests. I mean, the the time of those 100 people Thanksgiving celebrations, I, I would definitely love to see them again, but I'm not sure they might be gone for good. Now, don't get me wrong. We still do have like, you know, family reunions and the, the big birthday parties. But Thanksgiving has definitely took a more um, intimate approach where we're more, you know, really, really about that nuclear family, not so much all the extended ones. Now, granted, we're not going to say the extended folks can't come, right? but everybody more or less is kind of doing their own thing now. Okay. All right. Dr. Q? I think I'd have to, I'd probably have to agree with that, but my reasoning is a little different because I think there are certain people within your family that tend to just be the ones that everyone gravitates to and and they're much more, for lack of a better word, hospitable. And they just make you feel great when you can work. And my nanny Rose and Uncle Vern were like that. And here in the Houston area. So all of the folks would come around and meet at their home. Now that they've both gone on to be with the Lord, it just sort of fell by the wayside. I mean, we do a hit and miss, but I think it was very difficult to come together and be reminded of their absence. And so that's sort of a bittersweet with us. So I think my 
celebrations for Thanksgiving have centered around my very immediate family, just as Jamie mentioned, and not necessarily because it's the way I wanted it, but it sort of just happened because of their passing, because they put so much into our having a wonderful time at their home that I just think it's it's still, even though it, they've been gone more than five years, it still resonates with me when I go there that they're not there. Mm-hmm. So, and as I'm saying that, it's kind of making me, you know, feel a little nostal- nostalgic about it. So, yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Q. That's really beautiful. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue uh, this conversation. And I've got a couple more questions about the Black experience uh, during the Thanksgiving holiday. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm Christina Michelle, and I'm here having a lively conversation about the uh, Thanksgiving experience for Black folk. And I'm here having this conversation with Jamie and Dr. Q. So continuing on, I'm going to ask who doesn't get an invitation to Thanksgiving dinner? Who doesn't get an invitation? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. If we're talking about my immediate family and I'm doing the hosting, hardly anybody gets an invitation. But when I think about, you know, my parents, they're fairly open invite. So was my grandmother. My grandmother was such an open invite person that I kid you not. So my uncle had been married multiple times. And all of his ex-wives would show up like, can we at least disinvite the first ex-wife? I mean, she's been gone, you know, 20 years. Why is she still here? You know, <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, like, does she not have her own family? Surely she does. <laughs> Dr. Q, how about for you? Anybody who's uh, it's just a, a unspoken rule that they are not invited. <laughs> You know, I can't think of anyone that we wouldn't. I mean, we do have a couple of the the younger generation that is probably Jamie's generation, but a couple <laughs> of the younger ones. 
that kind of maybe have, um, how shall I say, unsavory habits that <laughs> make them not, not on everyone's wish list to have them attend. But we always, in the end, you know, we invite them. I mean, we just maybe invite them and keep a, a watchful eye on them. <laughs> oh, actually, I did think of something. It's not a person per se, but your dog is not invited to anything at my house. <laughs> I know the people my age and younger like to bring their dog everywhere, but they are not invited. <laughs> All right. Now, she said dogs, what she said. Okay, what about wine and other alcoholic drinks, permitted or not? Absolutely permitted. (laughs) The more, the better. Like I was mentioning earlier, uh, my grandmother's, her big shindigs, I mean, there would be so much alcohol. I remember being young and wishing like, man, I wish I can get one of those wine coolers so I can be happy like auntie, you know? Because wine coolers were like, you know, a really big thing growing up, you know. Um, Yes. So definitely alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Now that I'm older, I like to keep, you know, a bunch of sparkling ciders around because growing up, it was like this huge, like luxury thing. You can only have one glass of the Martinelli's. (laughs) And then now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, were we really that poor to where like you could for real only get one glass of apple juice? (laughs) So now it's like my mission, like the apple cider is flowing at our house. We're not running out. I love that. It is glorified apple juice, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But I'm with you. We, We had the same kind of rule it was very special if it sparkled (laughs) you could only have one (laughs) dr q what about you is uh our spirits permitted i mean yeah you can bring them it's a byob because i don't really drink and so i'm not going to support your habit for this so (laughs) (laughs) but i will have other things that are non-alcoholic here but if you want okay with that but no i'm not going to supply <laughs> gotcha well growing up in our household it was a it was a dry thanksgiving we um, <laughs> i'm sorry for you <laughs> we, but i have my own traditions now and the spirit does flow at my thanksgiving table both so. spirits <laughs> both spirits both spirits all yes. the spirits the holy and the yes <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about Thanksgiving traditions. Um, Is there anyone that sticks out to you the most from childhood? Hmm. That sticks out the most to me. Mm -hmm. Besides just the gathering. Oh, yeah. Dominoes. So I come from a huge Dominoes family. Like, don't even touch the table like you watch from 10 feet away. Okay, huge <laughs> Domino's family. So um, I just love seeing everybody play. If you're invited to the Domino's table, so that's another thing you have to be invited to is the Domino's <laughs> table. Just everybody doesn't just to get to just pick up their bones. Like, no, you have to like prove you're worthy to be at the Domino's <laughs> table. And so I could just like, you know, recall seeing my dad, like, you know, slam the Domino's down and, you know, just making all this commotion. And we're all looking around like, did he win? Like, we didn't even know how to count the Domino's up. <laughs> But we were like just <laughs> intently looking. Like those are some of my favorite memories, really. Hmm. Well, 
I I love to play dominoes, but I don't recall there being a memory for our Thanksgiving time. I will say, and I still have it actually, the tradition of watching Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I mean, I can remember when my mother was cooking and I would wake up to the smells of the food, always hearing that the parade was on. And I have done it now for, well, you know how many years, you know how old I am. <laughs> done it for a lot of years and i still do it now my son who's 25 of course doesn't share that but he still has to come over and i tell him even if you just spend five minutes you've got to come over and watch something with me Mm -hmm. because it's tradition and that tradition i really like so that's a good one are there any new traditions that you're creating with your children or your loved ones? Oh, absolutely. We're talking about the have to have the turkey. I'm not a big turkey fan either, but you know what's really special in our house? Cornish hens. People go crazy oh. about those little birds and they're they're pretty and they're juicy. So I'm trying to make that evolution and see if it'll catch on. I haven't done it for my dad yet because he'll look at me crazy like, you know it's turkey, not Cornish hens. <laughs> but if I can make that stick, I think I can. I have some time, right? <laughs> you do. Gosh, um, I'd probably say it's not really, it is a Thanksgiving tradition, but it doesn't happen then. We always do the tree trimming the weekend oh. after Thanksgiving. And mm. so... I've done that since he was two years old, and wow. I've just spoiled that every year. I, I just love to do that. In fact, now he and his girlfriend come over and do it, so it's great. Yeah, so we keep that going. Okay, so, um, Jamie, this is more of a question for you and for Wait me. a minute, what about yours? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch, Dr. Q. Don't let her off. Okay. So I don't have children. I do have a niece and I have a nephew, but um, just a tradition that I am creating for myself is one of service. And it's not necessarily something I remember us doing when we were growing up, but as an adult, it's something that's important to me. And so like, for example, this well, last Thanksgiving, um, my grandmother passed in October. And so in November, we, as a family, we hosted a big Thanksgiving dinner giveaway in Anchorage where she uh, spent the last 50, 60 years of her life. And um, wow. yeah, and we just served, I think we served over 200, maybe 300 people wow. um, Thanksgiving dinner in her honor. And this year, you know, I'm not doing anything nearly of that magnitude, but I recruited a friend who said he'll go with me to pass out um, socks. We're just going to pass out socks and fruit snacks to anybody who wants them downtown. So um, that's something that I always want to make sure that I make a part of my Thanksgiving is uh, in some way serving or giving back. That is wonderful. Since you're going to put me I, on the spot, <laughs> Dr. Q. Goodness. <laughs> All right. So, well, I was just going to ask really quick, Jamie, for you and for myself, is there anything, um, any locally grown food that you include in your Thanksgiving meal? Any locally grown food? Mm -hmm. No, but I probably should incorporate something or at the very least, maybe I could start serving salmon. (laughs) I mean, that's a very Alaskan (laughs) thing to do, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> and kale <laughs> apparently grows very well here. And so that's something that I'm going to try this year is and maybe every year I just was thinking about, you know, what can I find here that's locally grown that I can put on my table? I need to clarify. So what are we doing with said kale? Are oh, you trying to oh, substitute see? that this instead is... of the mustard collard green? There combo? we go. Because <laughs> you're about to get kicked out of the Thanksgiving dinner yet again. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly how it goes down at the Thanksgiving table. Okay, well, my plan was to put it in a salad, which I'm usually the only one that eats because they're, yeah, people don't come to Thanksgiving for salad. So that's where the kale is going. Uh, good. Keep it in the salad. All right. Well, we have had a really lovely conversation here and we're coming up towards the end. And so I just want to ask the all important question. What are you most thankful for this Thanksgiving season? I am just thankful that, you know, this year has been very, very, very good to my family on both sides. Um, we haven't lost anybody in our family this year, so I'm super thankful for that. Um, my dad, he turned 80 this year, so I'm wow. just happy and blessed to have both of my parents, and they're both in their right minds. They're both fairly healthy when they want to be. You know, I'm happy for my partner here in Juno and the kids. I'm grateful for, you know, working for a great Technically, it's a government organization that, you know, really does care about the community and their employees. I'm just grateful for so much. If you had asked me five years ago, you know, where do I see myself? I wouldn't have been able to imagine where I am right now. Like we even bought a house this year. We have a new puppy this year. Do not recommend. But, you know, <laughs> they bring joy. I'm just happy for just how well things are going. Um, my own health. I had a lot of health scares last year. I haven't almost died this year at all. So that's good. So yeah. last year I almost died twice. <laughs> this year I haven't almost died no time. So I'm just really thankful for just just um, life and my family and my health. That's awesome. Thank you, Jamie. And congratulations on all the beautiful things that are happening for you. Thank you. And Dr. Q. I'd say I'm really grateful for my family. I'm uh, grateful for actually the job I've held here. It's been a very wonderful experience. I'll be uh, retiring at the end of the school year, but I'm, I'm really happy for the the things I've learned and the people that have touched my life. Um, I'm also extremely happy that my son has finally gotten a full-time job. And so I'm really <laughs> I'm happy for that. that. Hopefully he can now really be the man that he says he always claims to be. He's grown. Well, now he can probably do it. So I'm happy about that. And I'm really I'm really thankful, too. I was actually born in Seoul, Korea, and I'm happy that I had great adopted families that brought me this far. Well, thank you, Dr. Q, and thank you, Jamie. This has been a wonderful conversation, and we hope you've learned something new and that you've been inspired to celebrate your Thanksgiving with whatever your history, culture, and traditions are. From Culture Rich Conversations to you, may your life be blessed and flow with ease, and we will see you the week after next, because next week is Thanksgiving. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.